Good morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. For those of you are, uh, that are our guests, my name is Trevor. I'm pastor here at Round Oak, and we are glad to have you come and worship the risen Lord and Savior with us here this morning. But we're going to go ahead and get right into it, and um, we're just going to praise and worship Him, because that's what we're here to do. And the best way that I know how to honor and worship God is to learn more about Him. So that's what we're going to do. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, it was read a little bit ago, but you can find it. You go to John chapter 6, looking at just those few verses that were read, uh, verses 66 through 61. So as we look at this, uh, we remember from last week, if you were here last week or happened to follow online, uh, we're in the middle of some kind of some hard teachings. Um, last week, we looked at what happened, and when the start of this, when we look at it, people didn't quite understand what was going on, and they, they didn't get what Jesus was talking about. And, you know, they, just, they grumbled, they complained, and, and they, they wanted things their own way. That's essentially what it was. They didn't like that it was changing. They didn't like how it felt outside of their bubble, because it was comfortable. Who here loves to get their bubble burst and have to get outside of it? Like, not very many people. Sometimes when we get outside of it, we, we start to understand, as we start to see that it was good for us, but we don't like it, right? None of what's happening here. Because we get comfortable in the things that we like, the things that we want, and when the truth comes and pops our bubble, we get mad. We get mad at the truth, we get mad at the bringer of the truth. And that's what was happening here. But again, we saw that these teachings in the Bible were often hard, most of it. Most of it's very difficult. The only time we actually like certain things is when we agree with them just kind of on the same level that we happen to like a certain thing, so we get to make fun of those who messed it up. I mean, if we're honest, if we're intellectually honest with ourselves, that's pretty much the only time that we, we really like it. B.C., right? Before Christ, before we were saved. Because after, we tend to bend. To what this says. Plain and simple. Who remembers that? Before you were saved, before Jesus invaded your life, how, you don't have to raise your hand or nothing, but just think about it. How, did you make fun of the Bible? Did you make fun of other Christians for the way they lived? You don't have to raise your hands, but I will. Okay, you got one. If you're honest with yourselves, you will say so. Because you hated God and you hated everything about him. You hated the people of God. And if you don't believe me that that's real, guess what? The Bible says that that is real. We read that over and over. We need to learn how to be honest with ourselves. Again, remember, hard teachings, real stuff, okay? We need to learn how to be honest with ourselves so that we can reproduce, because that's what we're called to be, reproducing Christians, right? And if we're not honest with ourselves, how are we supposed to take the truth out? We have to remember where we came from, because we were all once, every single one of us was all once hell-bound sinners who needed a Savior, and we were on our way to hell, plain and simple, until Jesus invaded our lives. Holy Spirit came inside of us, made us brand new. So guess what? Every once in a while, we, don't, we shouldn't live there, obviously, but we need to remember what it was like before we were saved. Because if we go out there thinking that we're better than other people, 
If we go out there thinking that, well, they don't need this because they're a certain way, or I don't think that person should be saved, what, what are we doing? What are we really saying there? Learn how to be honest with ourselves. And where it starts is some of these really hard teachings that like, well, it gets hard. They get hard. And they get hard because of this. It goes against our natural thinking. Again, we talked about this last week, so it was no shock. But it goes against the way we are naturally inclined to believe. Again, go back to day one, the first time you ever read the Bible, and you were looking at this. You did not agree with everything in here. You're like, what? I have to do that now? Or I don't get to do this anymore? It goes against what we want. Because again, especially going to my favorite books, you read through Romans, you're going to find out real quick before you even get into the second chapter that we love our sin, we're slaves to sin until Jesus invaded our lives. And, and, and that means every single one of us. We have to understand things. We don't get to play by our rules anymore. If we are a follower of Christ, you know what the number one thing that means? is that you are not your own. You are His. He bought you with a price. You are His, not your own. And when you're not your own, that includes everything. Yeah, everything. All His. All of your life is His. But again, we're going to keep going. Quick summation of what we talked about last week. But uh, we're going to keep going. So we look at this, though. One more thing. You know what? Back last week, looked at verse 65. Let me read 65 from last week real fast because this was actually pretty important. Jesus said this. He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. So, quickly looking at the rest of this real fast. If we're not changed, if we are not made new, as in if you're not different from what you were before, if we are not part of the church, and I'm going to bring this up just because I like it, but the Greek word for church is ecclesia, with two Ks, just in case you want to look it up later, which means the called out ones. The called out ones. That's what church means. If we're not called out, if we've not been changed, these hard teachings will make you mad. They will make you grumble. They will make you want to get up and walk out right now. They will. And don't get me wrong, I have had people get up and walk out when we do stuff like this. And these aren't even that hard of teachings, realistically. But you're not going to like it. Because again, that's the worldly mindset. We are born into this. We have a sin nature. Only through Jesus Christ can that be taken away. Period. We have to see that. Because again, all these things, they go against, all of this goes against our human conventional thinking. Every bit of it. And with that, we're going to get to where we are today. So let's get there. Verse 66, I'll read it, just the first, first verse we're going to look at today. Verse 66, from that moment, many of his disciples turned back <clears throat> and no longer accompanied him. So here we see that this is normal. It's normal. 
This is also straight and to the point. There were those who no longer followed Jesus. Is anybody shocked by this? No, right? Not at all. But I do want to be clear on this. This does not mean that they still didn't try to do certain things. I want you to think about this one realistically and very carefully as well. It doesn't mean that they didn't still try to do things. It doesn't mean that they didn't walk out of here because they were mad at me and Pastor Trevor for stepping on their toes. They didn't walk out of here and go down the road and, and join another church. They didn't start another church. They didn't do all these things. That doesn't mean they didn't do that because guess what? They did. They still do it today. They did it then, they did it today. What this means is that they don't know the Lord and Savior. They don't know His salvation. They will still say Jesus, right? They will use the words. I like to use the word Christianese. So they will still speak Christianese. They will gather on a Sunday morning to do certain things. But I ask you for what? That's what it means. This says they left Jesus. Again, from that moment on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. They didn't care about him. They didn't want to be with him. They didn't like the hard teachings. So they're like, we're leaving. We would still love your good stuff, Jesus. We still would like your blessings. But we're not going to follow you because we don't like certain things about you no more. That's how fast it happens. That's how quick it happens. You see, throughout history, whenever someone doesn't like something, when they think that something is too hard, or that something that's truth is officially taught against what they think is real or what they think things should be, what they do is they go and hide and never be seen again, right? No. They go and they start their own version of something else. Why do you think we have so many different denominations in all of Christendom, right? Because somebody didn't agree with it. Well, I don't like that that's a letter instead of a number. I'm going to start my own church. It happens that fast. It gets much, much worse than that. We can say here and name denominational practices and, and, their, and their principles all day long. And I can tell you a lot about a lot of them because I've, I've looked at this stuff uh, for a long time. And a lot of them don't care about Jesus. They care about filling pews. They care about looking good. And they want to push certain, certain social agendas and whatnot. Because they want to be on the cutting edge of all things. If I'm going to tell you this right now, if you want this church right now to be on the cutting edge of anything outside of the gospel, please leave. Because we are not going to be. Because the gospel is the only thing that's solid. It's been around for 2,000 years, and it is not cutting edge. It is just the edge. Okay? We, we don't change. We're not going to update. I don't care what social agenda or, or civic programs we think we should do. We're not going to because we do one thing here, and that is worship who? Thank you. We worship the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Anything beyond that, that's it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Because people want to do that. They want to change. They want to be so socially relevant that all they're doing is worshiping themselves and maybe those around them. But again, they start their own version so they don't have to adhere to what rules are. 
And then these people then, uh, the vast majority, they will go off and make a god to worship in their churches, right? It's little g god, by the way. It's a god made in their own image. One that will agree with them. One that will, if I look at here, you know, I, I don't like this, so I'm going to take a lot of what I like. We're going to keep the covers because it says Bible, and mine has a cross on it, so I, I can get people to believe what I think. We're going to take that, but we're going to take out a few pages, and we're going to say, well, you should come worship with me. And I guarantee you, I could come up with some really false stuff and get a lot of people to follow me. I'm fairly charismatic. I can, I, can, I can speak in a way to where people will think, well, that might be true. I can mess with the Scripture enough to get you to believe it. Take the skin of a truth and fill it with a great big lie. And I can get people to follow me. I guarantee I can. Why do you think I tell you to open up your Bibles every time we preach? Why? So that you know what the truth is. I'm not pulling things out. A lot of places won't. They're going to say, I need you to take your Bibles, close them, set them over here, and listen to me and only me because I am right, and that is, we'll worry about that later. You will go places like that. We have problems because we've created a God in our own image. Something they like, something that we like, something that we can handle. If you can handle your God, your God is fake, made up, and a pansy. And I will say that to anybody on this face, on this planet's face. I don't care. I couldn't care less. In fact, I would like to box your God. <laughs> Let's do it, right? I mean, for real, think about it. If, if you can barely move, you can still beat that God because He's not real. You can't handle God. You can't get the concept of who God is wrapped around your head. We get a small bit, a minute portion of who God is. And that's what, how we become saved because like, when we finally get this little bit of it, we realize how bad we are. God is huge. He's massive. Immensely powerful. And you think you can handle that? No way. No way. So when we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the true Savior, when we start to teach what He actually taught, when we start to stick with what the Bible really says, not what we want, but what it actually says, there will be many who will leave. There will be. There will be tons who will leave. There will be many who will walk away. And I'm going to tell you this, when you're witnessing for Christ, when you're talking about who Jesus is, and people get mad at you and walk away, and you're like, oh, don't get discouraged, okay? Don't do it. You know why? The same thing happened to Jesus. So, remember, you're in good company. Right? Makes it a little bit easier. They hated Jesus. Do, they not, do you not think that they're going to hate you for following Him? Assume it. You know what's going to happen. It happened to Jesus, and it still happens to us today. But we'll keep going. We see that in verse 66, that everybody started to leave him. So Jesus said this in verse 67. He said, Jesus turned to the twelve and said, You don't want to go away do too, do you? So Jesus said this. And by saying that, he was kind of calling them out. He was letting them know, like, hey, I see what's going on. 
what are you guys going to do? What are you going to do? He was asking them, are you going to go with the crowd? Are you going to go with what's popular? But a lot of different things happen, you know, for instance, in this country. We can say this thing about here today. We can pretend like we're saying it 2,000 years ago in, in the greater Jerusalem metroplex, right? A lot of things happen. A lot of changes, cultural, societal differences are occurring all the time. So Jesus says, are you going to go with the crowd? Are you going to go with what's popular? Man, because look at those people. Man, they, they got it going on. They got the new houses. You know, they live in the new, the new subdivision where everybody wants to live. Right? They, 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 are you going to go hang out with them? Is that what you want so you can be part of the it crowd? He says, or are you going to stick with me? Are you going to stick with me? Are you going to walk the narrow path that leads to life and salvation? Because it was not much different then than it is now when we think about certain concepts. Of course, they don't have technology that we have now and lots of stuff, but real societal principles are the same then as they are today. Right? There were major influences all around these people. The culture, the society that they lived in, the one that we live in, now all this stuff will affect our decision-making on a day-to-day -day basis. All of it will. Again, some of these things we don't want to admit to, like, well, I would never have been to the culture. Yeah, you will, and you have. We have to learn how to be honest with ourselves so that we can take our message out honestly. Because we were there. We fail too, right? We fail too. But all these things will affect our decision making because we tend to bend and think and care too much about what other people think. About what other people think. We can't tell them this part of the Bible because I know they're this way and they're going to get mad. I've seen who I would consider great men of God lower and debase things because they're scared to preach the truth to certain people. I'm going to say one thing before I get move on because this one's actually important. Somebody I, I know and I greatly respect. You can take this either way you want. He was preaching through the Bible. He was a pastor, by the way. And he had some people that go into his church. They were a lesbian couple. And he was going to preach through a part to talk about homosexuality as a sin. And I'm like, cool. How did that go over? He's like, well, I let him know the week before what we were going to preach about next week so they could come if they wanted to. And I'm like, hmm. Did you just tell them so that they didn't have to show up that week? So you're telling them so that they didn't hear the truth? Are we doing these things so that people won't get mad at us? I'm telling you, tell the truth. No matter what. No matter what. But we want people to like us. We want to be popular. We want that notoriety. We want the world to see us and how good we are. We want other Christians to look at us and be like, hey, that man is a man of God. Look at him go. We want that. So we'll skim off a little bit here. 
skim off a little bit of the truth there so that certain people will still think we're cool. So they'll, they'll think we're godly. Because we want what we want, no matter what. And here we see that Jesus just kind of lays it out. He's like, you going you gonna to leave too? It reminds me of a passage. If you're quick, you can turn there. But Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. If I ever get a chance to go to Romans and read, I'm going to every single time. But Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, it says this. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling birds, mortal man, four-footed animals, and reptiles. The, we think we know more. We think we know better. So, what kind of response would you give? When you're faced with hard teachings, you know, what kind of response do you give? Uh, what if you believe something? You believe something so strongly. I mean, realistically, five minutes before somebody approaches you, whatever this is, think of anything. I don't, I, it doesn't really matter. But you believe in something so, that's a hill you're ready to like die on, right? You believe it no matter what. But what if you found out that this says otherwise? What do you do? What kind of response would you have? Because that shows a lot about who you want to worship. About a lot of people. See, I am one of these people, I'm just going to say it. Because it's what the Bible says. I have a lot of people who would say, you know what, Woman, women can be pastors. The Bible says otherwise in a few spots. It just does. We can try to say lots of different stuff, right? A lot of people say there's no real uh, uh, prohibition against homosexuals. Well, I would say the Bible does so in quite a few spots. And then they get mad. Because you know why? They believe certain things. You know what? Having a belief in certain things is okay. But do you want to believe truth? Or do you want to believe your own opinion? Because you know what truth is? Right here. And if you claim to want to believe truth and still take your opinion over truth, you don't believe truth. I mean, it really is that simple. I will never, ever, ever stand up here and teach or preach things just to have a response. I will never teach or preach things just so you can have something to listen to. If it's not aimed at what the Bible teaches, you will not hear me say it. And if I do, I will publicly and emphatically ask for your forgiveness for messing around and wasting your time. Every time I would. But what about these things? What about the hard stuff? What about the culturally relevant things that say we should do certain things? We believe things so much. What would your response be when the Bible teaches otherwise? 
I will say this. I hope it is like what Peter's response is. He says this. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? To whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Where would we go? Where would we go? To whom else could we look? Besides Jesus Christ, who else could we look? There is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved, right? Where else would we look? This is it. Front to back, cover to cover, leather, leather to leather, if you have a hard copy, okay, it's cardboard to cardboard, but either way, this is it. Every word comes out of the mouth of God. There is no other way to salvation. Peter says you have the words of eternal life. Jesus. Not each individual one of us. It's Jesus' words. You came from heaven. You were sent by the Father so that we could have eternal life. If you think you can get around that, I'm just going to say, first off, you're wrong. And second off, if you don't want to listen to the truth, go for it. It's not going to work. I don't make up the rules. You don't make up the rules. This is how things happen. If you think you're bigger and stronger and more powerful than God, by all means, have at it. Then they had prophets before. Jesus was literally with these people. Today we have the Bible. The Word of God. You know what the difference is between having the Word of God literally in our hands right now, or if you have a smartphone, I don't even care, in your pocket, whatever it is. You know what the difference is? None. Because this is the living and active Word of God, sharper than any double-edged sword. Dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. We have it. The Word of God, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, that all Scripture was breathed out by God. Let's take a little poll real fast. I need you to answer questions as I go. Uh, you just say yes or no. Okay, so we're just going to random, random verse, right? Okay, Psalm, Psalm 37.10. Is that the Word of God? Okay. Let's go to the back. Let's go with one of the epistles. Okay, Ephesians 2.12. Is that the Word of God? Okay, is it any different than any other passages, whether it's in black or red writing in your Bible? Is it the Word of God? Yes. Every breath, every word, everything is God. We have to understand that. We have the words of eternal life revealed to us through the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. We studied that when we first started this study in John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. And this is His Word revealed to us. Where else would we go? Nowhere. That's it. I don't care how good your GPS is. You are still lost. So, again, verse 69 says this again. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We know Him by 
his word revealed to us. That's how we know God. That's how we know him. They knew it because they were there with them. We know it today, again, because we have the Bible. And I'm going to again be very blunt. Uh, and you knew this coming here today, because I'm usually kind of like this, but the, the, the thing says hard teaching. So it doesn't say easy, happy-go-lucky, sunshine and rainbows, unicorns and fun things, right? It says hard teachings. So I'm going to be very blunt. Either you believe the Word of God and you choose to submit to God every word of it, or I, I personally believe you do not know Him. There's no way we can. How can we continue to tell God that He's wrong and claim to follow Him? I mean, do we have an answer for that one? Because I don't think we do. How can you tell God that, well, I don't agree with you, I don't like that, but I still would like to have your salvation, because hell doesn't sound like a lot of fun. If it were that easy, cool. But uh, it's not. It's just not. Are we willing to bow and submit? Man, we hate that word though, right? Submit. But are we willing to bow and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ? No matter what. Because I'll tell you this. When you do bow and submit, you will not get all the things you want. You won't. There will be another word we don't like. What's we'll a sacrifice? Man, we've used submit and sacrifice. And the people aren't going to like me today. We're using the words we don't like. I have one more word you're not going to like. You know what else we're going to have to do? We're going to have to submit. We're going to have to sacrifice. And we're going to have to obey. If we rearrange those, you know what those letters make up? SOS. Help. Right? We don't like that. We don't like those. There will be times of trials and hardship. But I want, to, I want to be very clear on this. Most assuredly, what we have to understand, there's nowhere else to go. There is no other name, no other person, no other thing, no other way, period, to forgiveness and salvation. That's it. That's it. But we're going to continue. Verse 70. Again, Jesus replied to them, Didn't I choose you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? Of all that we're following, all that we're following, Jesus here, just a few remain. Jesus twelve uh, chose these twelve to be apostles, and these apostles, minus the one obviously in Judas Iscariot, would turn all of the Roman Empire upside down. Pretty big deal. But even Judas there would remain until the time where you know is going to fulfill. We all know what happened to Judas. But again, I want to get really into this for just a second. I want a, a good proper perspective about this. I like numbers. I like to see numbers. I like to do all this stuff. And I think it's important. Because by most accounts, at any given time, Jesus had somewhere in the hundreds or if not thousands of followers at almost any given time. Hundreds minimum. There, well, we know when he fed the large group, there was at least 5,000 men. And if you count just 5,000 men, a lot of them had husbands, or excuse me, a lot of the husbands had wives and they had kids. So there were somewhere between probably 9, 10 to 13,000 people. So that's a lot of people following Jesus, right? 
At any given time, there were hundreds, if not thousands of people, and they all thought certain things. They all individually, each one of them thought they were right about certain things. They all thought they were going to get something, get what they wanted. Yeah, I want to make sure this is very clear here. When the hard teachings came, when they heard something that they didn't like, that they didn't agree with, how many of these hundreds or thousands, whatever it might have been, how many of these people continued to follow him? Out of thousands, 12. Just 12. Anybody really, really good at math? I want you to take 2,500 and see what the percentages of this is. If only 12 out of 2,500, what's the percentage? That's 0.5? Did you just guess or you know that? Oh, good deal. <laughs> it, it's small. That's not many people. That's very minute. That's, those are real numbers. So out of those 12, even one of them infiltrated, who was called by Jesus as a devil. So even the ones who stayed after the hard teaching still didn't completely trust and still didn't completely follow Jesus. We don't think about stuff in those terms very often. You know why we don't? Because we want to believe certain things. We want to believe everybody who comes in these doors is a God-fearing Christian and they want the best for all of us, especially the local church in this example, Roundo. But I'm going to be bluntly, blatantly honest with you, that is by no means the case. It's just not. And it never will be. This side of eternity, that will never be the truth no matter how much we want it to be. Because when hard teachings come, when things get real and you have to actually sacrifice, you have to submit, and you have to obey Jesus, you will see people leave in droves. You just will. And to be fair, we also read a lot about the separation of the wheat and the, and the tares, right? The sheep and the goats. Separation is nothing new, and it will get worse. But again, this is not easy. Again, we don't get what we want. We don't get to make the way. We don't get to make up things as we go. We don't get to make up things and, and say that, oh, this is what the Bible actually says. No, it says something different. To know the real and biblical Jesus Christ, to know His eternal life, there's just no other way. We don't get to make up things. I, get to, I can't stress that one enough. Because there are people all over the world that use the word Jesus. And because they've said the word Jesus, they have other people thinking that they know Him. It's not real. We will, we will know them by their fruit. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus calls these people out, but we try to we try to hug them and, and coddle them and tell them that, no, it's okay, keep doing your thing. But Jesus says, no, I never knew you. And then they said, what? What did they say in that? Back to Jesus, they said, well, we did this. 
in Your name. We drove out demons in Your name, Jesus. Jesus is like, good for you? I don't know. I don't know. I never knew you. Then He says, be gone. Doers of wickedness. Do those people, by the time Jesus says that to these people that we're talking about, it's going to be too late, but not that point, but this is the point. Do those people who are still like that, do they need the Gospel? Yes. Whose job is it to give them the Gospel? Ours. Whose job is it to, for them to, whose job is it to save them? Jesus. Not ours. It's not us. Our job is to truthfully and correctly give them the Gospel. Beyond that, we have nothing else to do. Because that job's big enough and that will take you the rest of your life to do. We don't do any of the saving. We don't do any of this stuff. We trust God for any outcome. We trust God to give us the next steps to, so that we can be in His will. And sometimes His will takes us in the scary places that we don't want to go. If you are not a public speaker, if the thought of you ever being up here doing anything like this makes you want to pass out and break out into a cold sweat, guess what God might use you for? To speak out there somewhere in front of people. And if you just passed out, I'm sorry. Don't get nervous. But God will use you in crazy ways and He wants to get you out of that comfort zone. Out of your bubble. Because when you get out of your bubble, guess what you have to do? Trust Him. You have to start actually trusting God. And that can be scary. Have you ever been in that situation? That, that's like, oh man, here we go. No, no, I don't want to do it. No way, we're going to trust God. We're gonna... it, it gets hard. And sometimes you just got to boom, take off and go for it and see what happens. Sometimes you land face first on the concrete and, and it hurts. Sometimes you just kind of float <laughs> and it works out really well and you're not sure why. We're not promised certain outcomes. But we're promised the whole time along the way, God is there with you. We are promised that every single time. We have to know Him and be just like Him as much as we can. We're going to fail, obviously. We're not going to ever get there. But again, we're going to submit to Him and His will because there's just no other way. Jesus didn't lessen things. He didn't weaken things. He didn't try to change certain things so certain people will hear it so that they're like, well, if I just change these little notches and I round off the corners just enough of the gospel, somebody might come follow me. He didn't do that. He didn't make things different so that we could stay in our sin. And that's what we try to do. We try to change it so we don't offend people because we know that they love their sin. That's why we change things. We don't want to tell people they're wrong because we know that they love their sins because we love our sins. Jesus didn't lessen things. He didn't change things. He didn't do certain things so that people would like Him more. He didn't do those things. And He's not going to change things and we don't get to change things so that we can say His Word is wrong and rebel against Him. Did it help you when I used the word rebel? Because it did for me. When I was, when I was writing this down, I wrote the, wrote the word rebel. And I was thinking, huh, 
Wow, that's really what we're doing. Literally rebelling against the king of the universe every time we sin. And we sin a lot. Each and every one of us. Again, there are hard teachings in here. Many, 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 many hard teachings. Some things that we like more than others, right? Some things that I don't find that hard, but you might find really hard to do. And vice versa. Some things that I'm like, this is crazy. There's no way. And you're like, this is normal. This, this is what we should be following regardless, right? We get those. We're not always going to agree on everything. But if we want to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we must, and this is imperative, we must adhere to His Word. We must. Not in the sense that we hold it all the time. Because, again, we rebel. We rebel against a holy God. And we sin, which means we're not adhering to it completely. Not in that sense. But in the sense of this, that when we fail and then when we sin, we know that His Word is true and that there is forgiveness in it. And we come right back to it. Sanctification is an amazing thing. As we go, we trust God more. We continue to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We believe in God more. We trust in Him more. We rely on Him all the more. We will know that sin is actually sin instead of justifying it. Saying it's not really a sin because I like it and I don't want it to be. That's what we do. We justify it but we know that it's a sin because the Bible reveals to us what is sin. And we can also know that He forgives us. That through His blood that was poured out on the cross that we are able to have forgiveness and true life. That's what I mean by adhering to what the Bible says. Not trying to make our own way, not trying to you know, gymnastic around certain things so that certain things will work, but knowing that Jesus, the God and Creator of all things, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose on the third day, fulfilled the law entirely, and atoned for my sin. So that, so that we could have that real and true life. And if I believe that, I have no other excuse. I have to believe the rest of what it says. Because if one part of it's wrong, guess what? It's all wrong. It's all compromised. If you can trust Him for your salvation, I dared you to tell me otherwise, but I think you can trust Him with the day-to-day -day in your life. It's not always easy. In fact, it's hard. In fact, Jesus promised it's going to be hard. And if God promises something, it's, you can take it to the bank, right? Jesus promised that this life's going to be hard. But I want to remind you that this is temporary. And our reward is in heaven. We get to be with Him forever. Because this life, is, again, is temporary. It doesn't really last that long. But what you do here, what you do in this life, will impact eternity. Eternity is much longer than this life. So is this. Do you know the real and biblical Jesus Christ? If not, I, I, I dare say that now's the time. Salvation is here now. And His name is Jesus Christ. Amen?
Father, we thank you again so much for everything that you do. Lord, as we look at some, not all of them, but just one of the times where it's harder teachings. Lord, we thank you that you will help us and guide us through them. That we can look to you no matter what. That no matter what our thinking is, no matter what our opinion is, we have the truth that you have given to us. We have the truth that you lead us into. Lord, often our opinions do not line up with you. But more so, what we have to remember is that you have changed us, that we are yours. So when our opinions, when our thinking, when our mindset doesn't line up with you, Lord, we don't try to change your word, but Lord, you change us so that we can line up with you. You are the bringer of life. You are the giver of truth and the creator of all things. Who are we to say anything against you? Lord, we thank you for all that you do. Lord, I pray that I was as accurate as I could be as you work through me with your word. Lord, I love you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you do. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.